Well, Israel was at a time when they were in dire need of a deliverer. They were completely at the mercy of their old-time enemies, the Philistines. Through persistent raids, their conquerors had reduced them almost to want. If any Israelite succeeded in cultivating a crop of wheat, no sooner would he have harvest than the Philistines would swoop down upon him like birds of prey and carry it all away. Or if any succeeded in raising a small flock or herd, these were driven off before they were ready for slaughter. Thus the people were often in dire want. For this reason also they lived in constant fear. Their highways were growing up because the people dare not travel them. We saw that as we read Judges 5 verse 6. In the wake of this calamity came quite naturally yet a heavier one uttered of discouragement. The people saw no change, no chance to fight back. Their conquerors had seen to it that they should remain completely at their mercy. To gain this end, they had compelled them to give up all weapons of war. They had taken the further persecution of allowing no single blacksmith to remain in Israel. Thus, they were not only without weapons, but they were without any chance of making any. It is not to be wondered at, therefore, that the moral of the nation was broken. They were not only defeated, but they were hopeless in their defeat. They had lost confidence in themselves. Worst of all, they had lost faith in God. And the truth of the matter is that their disloyalty to God was the very foundation and source of all their trouble. It would be hard, therefore, to imagine a people so straight than were the people of Israel when Shangar came to the scene. But even to this utterly defeated people, deliverance did come. And it came from a source from which they least expected. The man who brought about this deliverance from them was not a man of position. He was not a man with any royal blood in his veins. He was not, so far as we know, a man whom was educated. Doubtless, he had never had one single day of military training. He was a man of the people. He was a farmer. He had lived in our day, we would call him a man who worked with the earth. He had never cut any great figure on the public scene. His greatness achievement thus, thus far had been the breaking and the driving of yoke of oxen, yet it was this ox driver that God chose to work deliverance in, in Israel. So why did God choose this man? God chose him because Samhagar was possessed, possessed those qualities that made it possible for God to make use of him for this great service. Shamgar was possessed of a noble discontent. Now, much of our discontent is ignorable. Much of it is pity and unworthy. Sometimes it is born of effort on our part to keep up socially or in some other way with our neighbors. 
Some of our discontent is born of restlessness. Many of us are like children. We demand that we be entertained all the time. We want somebody to be cooing at us all the time. And if such things are not going on all the time, we become restless and wretched and bored. But this is not a noble discontent. It is the discontent of a shallow heart and an empty head. There is no littleness in discontent of Shangar. It made his soul within him sick that he himself was, was so coward and whipped and humiliated. It filled him with inner rage to see these things. His people thus enslaved. When he saw the wheat of his neighbors carried off, when he saw his own cattle driven away to become the food of his enemies, he could not take it complacently. He could not look upon it as an inevitable calamity that must be born. The sight made him clench his fist. It filled his soul with rage and hot rebellion. Now because Shamgar was filled with a burning discontent against things as they were, there was hope for him. Shamgar was a million leagues ahead of the man who had compelled himself to a kind of cowardly contentment. It is bad to be whipped, but to be content to remain so is infinitely worse. To be in a foreign country, you remember the, the prodigal son went into a foreign country, and to be in a foreign country, swine is the terrible calamity. But to come to the place where you are content to live there, where you feel at home among stench and the filth of it all, that is a very, that's the very climax of calamity. To be in church and yet count for nothing is extremely pathetic. To be a spiritual pygmy and moral dwarf, that is tragic indeed. But to come to a spiritual place where you think that it is God's best for you, that is a supreme tragedy. To be content at where you are when you might could have the best. There's an old story of the eagle that was hatched along with a family of chickens. His fellow chickens laughed at the awkward brownish bird. He seemed to those chickens strangely out of place. He did not know exactly what he was made for, but he was sure he was not made for the barnyard. So he stood day after day, the picture of discontent, the embodiment of wretchedness. But one Sunday morning, there came a far-off speck in the sky. Then there was a strange wild call from the heights, and this ungainly bird, this ridiculous chick that had been the laughing stock of the barnyard, looked up as if he understood the cry. And the call again and again came nearer and nearer. And then fire seemed to suddenly grow in his eyes of the barnyard fowl, and the chick stood away in wonder, and the bird spread his brownish wings and circled above the barnyard, and then he was away to the freedom of the wilds. He was made for the cloud land and the upper air. Therefore, he could never be content stretching among the faith of the barnyard. If you are away from God, that is a calamity. If you are wasting your life in riotous living, or if you are wasting your substance in the very decent 
and respectable living without Christ, that is a terrible tragedy. But there is something far worse. That is to be satisfied to do so. To be content with the worst when you might could have the best. Or what more often happens to be content with the second best when you might claim the best. What have you gained of abiding value today by rejecting Christ? What would you have lost of abiding work if you had followed Him this day? Without Christ, you are being cheated every day. But sadder still, I feel some are becoming content to the cheated that is the road to wasteful living. Shamgar was full of a noble discontent. That was the first step toward his becoming a deliverer. The second reason God chose Shamgar was that he was a man of faith. He could see the difficulties as well as the men among whom he lived. He could realize the strength of the Philistines as well as they are. He could realize the weakness of the Israelites. He understood quite as well as they that there had, were, had no weapons to which to fight. He himself had doubtless never seen a sword except when it flashed in his hand, in the hands of the Philistines. But the difference were not all that Shangar saw. He saw the forces that made for conquest. He knew something of the history of the Israelite people, his people. He knew how God had made bare his arms for their deliverance from the bondage of Egypt. He knew again and again God had come upon the scenes to work in their behalf. In this awful and trying time, I have no doubt that Shangar turned with strong faith toward God. He recognized the fact that all the deliverances that God had ever brought had been through human instrumentality. He believed in the willingness of God to use men and women and even went further than that. He believed in God's willingness to use Himself. You know, it doesn't take a great faith for me to say, I believe God uses men and women. But it does take a great faith for me to say, I believe that God will use me. It is with this vital faith that Shamgar set about his task. And Shamgar dared to make a beginning. He ventured to fight when the enemy came upon him in spite of the meaningless of the weapon that he had in his hand. He had the courage to do battle regardless of the odds that were against him. I imagine I can hear him saying to himself, right here and now, I am going to stake all on an effort to win deliverance from my enemies. They may rob me, they may kill me, there is every chance that they will, but that is what would likely happen if I refuse to fight, hence I'm going to fight. And this he did. In spite of the fact that he had excellent excuses for refusing to do so, he could have come home that day to his hungry family with an excuse. He could have said, I was outnumbered hundreds to one. You could not expect me to stand up against such odds as that. I did not have a chance. And if they felt that his failure was not justified by this excuse, he had another one, he could possibly say. My foes were armed with swords. All I had was an ox gourd that I used to pard my cattle. Surely you are not unreasonable enough to think that I ought to have stood against that crowd that was armed with swords 
When I was one lone man with nothing but an ox gourd, these would have been plausibly excuses. But Shangar was not good at excusing himself. He was better at fighting. So when the enemy came upon him, instead of running, he stood with his ground. You can hear the ox gourd crack upon the skulls of the, the wheels that, that he wielded lustily. He is saying to himself, I may go home tonight without a bit of bread, but I will at least carry some scars to show that I've made an honest effort. I may not get home at all, but when those who love me come to see me, they will find that I did not die as a coward died. I will die fighting. I will die using every resource that God has put in my disposal. Shamgar had only an ox gourd. But he had that. So instead of waiting for a better weapon, instead of saying what he would do if, if he were more fully equipped, he used what was in his hand. Think about that. It's God using what you have. That's amazing. And what was the outcome? Shamgar won the fight. He killed 600 men of the Philistines. The man or woman who throws their self with what he has on the side of God always wins. When the lad brings his five loaves to Jesus, you remember that, that story? And he brought the five loaves and two fishes and turns them over to Christ. He has done his part and Christ will do his part. If Shangar strikes with his might with the weapon that God has given him and then goes down in defeat, nobody can blame Shangar. If you and me put our talents and abilities in God's hand today, then God will do the increase. All God needs, all God requires for the winning of the battle in your life is for you to put yourself in His hand. And not only did Shamgar win deliverance for himself, but he won deliverance for his people. Not only was he himself blessed, but he became a blessing. He seems a crude instrument for God to use in, in such mighty fashion. His battered ox gourd seems a poor weapon for Shamgar to use. But after all, it's not so much the instrument that counts. It is the hand that wields it and the heart that backs the hand and God backs the person that gives him all. What does God's call mean to you at this time? Is it not to wait for an easier time or for an easier place in which to set yourself to the task of being a Christian? You see, here's the problem. That time and that place will never come. Your one duty is to begin in the here and now to face your foes with the weapon that you have in your hands. If you will make a beginning, you then put yourself in touch with the might of our infinite Lord Jesus Christ. Your remember Jesus said to the paralyzed man, he said, arise and walk. That's what he told him. He was calling on him to do the one thing that he could not do. But as the man dared to undertake it, 
the impossible became possible. And if you will dare this day to put yourself in the hands of Christ, He will work a mighty deliverance for you personally. Not only so, but He will make, your power, make you a power for the deliverance of others. You know that? He can make you a power for the deliverance of others. So only dare to begin. And the very might of Christ is yours for the winning of your battle. My suggestion for you is to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior if you've never done that. You are to be saved. That will give you the strength and the power. The power of prayer comes in that. The Holy Spirit comes and lives within you and you're able to communicate to God. He will give you the strength to get over the sins in your life by the way of the Holy Spirit. And He give you the strength to share Christ with other people. But if you don't accept Christ, then you're just a number among the many. Among the many who has no power. You see, only Christ has the power because of His resurrection. If He didn't raise from the grave, then there will be no power. But He did. He rose from the grave. Therefore, He gives you the power. Just like Shamgar. The power He had. He gave His whole self to God. And look at the power that He had. Yes, Shamgar is a person that we need to remember. It's a person that we need to shape our life like Him. Let us pray. God, we thank You. Oh, Shanghai fought the battle, Lord. Even though it's only two Scriptures that even mention His name, but He was a powerful man. And the way He was powerful, He gave His life to You. In the same way with us today, the same thing yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We put our whole faith and trust in You, Lord. You'll give us power. And I pray, Lord, if someone here hasn't received Christ as Lord and Savior, that's the first step. And those of us here who are Christians, Lord, then we need to seek the power that, that Chamhar got, that we may go and share Christ with our neighborhood. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation is hymn number... 419, let the Lord of lights be burning. Stand as we sing. Come, you want to accept Christ, come for prayer, or come to join this church. Whatever you like to do, won't you come as we sing hymn number 419.
across the way Some poor painting struggle singing We may rescue you, Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for today, for the many blessings of today. And God, we thank you for that story about Shanghai that we can act like him, have our faith like he did to you. And God, we just pray that you'll be with each and one of us. We pray, Lord, for Norman and his family as they travel to Florida. We pray that you'll protect them on the way, give them traveling grace. And Lord, give the rest of us traveling grace back home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.